And welcome to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery on WMBD. I'm Dan DiOrio, along with Ethan Wise of Hair Nursery. Green Thumb heard every Saturday at 7 o'clock. Grab your cup of coffee, maybe some pad and paper, as uh, we're going to walk you through it again on this summer. It's hot coming again. This uh, Well, it's hot now, but mm-hmm. it's going to be even worse on Monday. And, uh, Ethan, you and I were talking this has been a low-maintenance year when it comes to bugs. Yeah, I think with regards to what I've been talking to people about and what I've heard being um, uh, issues that gardeners are dealing with this year, more so along the lines of just heat stress. You know, it's been very hot, um, and uh, I think, you know, there's been definitely issues where I've spoken to people, oh, okay, I think you're underwatering or I think you're overwatering. Um, you know, you're, you might need to water a little bit more or, or you're watering too much, trying to cater to the heat, and now you've given your plant too much. And then fungal infections. I've spoken to some people who um, might be experiencing some uh, fungal infections in their lawn and uh, possibly some fungal infections on their plants, but really nothing insect-wise. Uh, I know myself at my garden, I've seen one Japanese beetle, a singular one on my grapevine, that I have, and I just uh, flicked them. Uh, probably, uh, I think I flicked them into my next door neighbor's uh, back door. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, score seven points. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, the uh, other than that, I haven't really seen anything. No squash bugs. Uh, no cucumber beetles. No potato beetles. Uh, nothing like that on any of of my gardening plants. And uh, I haven't spoken to too many people. We've we've advertised, you know, what to spray in your garden. Uh, we have a little uh, TV monitor in what we call our plant pharmacy area, which is where you buy herbicides, insecticides, fungicides, fertilizer, et cetera. Um, and on that, on the slide, uh, you know, is addressing certain beetles, specifically the cucumber beetle, because this is the time of year that you would start to notice them. And I haven't spoken to a single person who is dealing with cucumber beetles um, in their garden right now. So uh, granted, in many ways, I live vicariously through other people's gardens, uh, but I'm just kind of going by minimal interactions that I've had with people on uh, on pests. I My deduction is that it's just not a serious issue this year, and I don't have an answer to that. So I look forward to reading some sort of paper. I can imagine that some university would be producing a paper as to why we may have had a low insect year um, and what that could mean for next year or the year before, or the year after. Yeah, that was going to ask you that question because you're okay. a bug guy. Uh, is this going back and then talking maybe to some of the older gardeners, uh, one on record, or I won't say on record, but one of those that they rem- remember that this being so low of a bug year? Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from anyone, especially any farmers. Um, um, I feel like farmers have to deal with with uh, Japanese beetles and other insects uh, quite a bit. You know, the Japanese beetles will decimate soybeans and, and can go after uh, corn to an extent, too. And I know that many farmers are just spraying uh, very religiously now, uh, especially over these last few years. I mean, we've had some bad years for Japanese beetles. 2017 was a nasty year. Uh, you couldn't walk around hair nursery with your mouth open or you were going to leave with a mouthful of beetles. It was pretty <laughs> disgusting. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I would be curious to know what other people are experiencing. I, I should say I've probably spoken to less than five people who have expressed that they do have some Japanese beetles at their house 
um, and they live, you know, sort of near a farm uh, or row crops, but not right next to the row crop field. And so my theory was, well, the beetles are leaving the cornfields because farmers are spraying and, and they probably tried to get far enough away while also staying close to a food source. I was like, so maybe that's why you're experiencing it. But other than people that live maybe a couple streets away from a, a row crop field, I'm not speaking to anyone who, who's dealing with, with insects. Uh, rabbits, on the other hand, I've spoken to a lot of people about rabbit and deer damage this year. Uh, specific, I mean, definitely rabbits. Uh, lots of people are telling me um, that they've had more rabbits this year than they can, than they can remember in recent years. So uh, it's an interesting, you know, there's always a checks and balances, you know, good year for Japanese beetles, but then we have a bad year for rabbits. So it's kind of weird the way uh, nature works that way. Have they tried the uh, deer and rabbit scram? Oh yeah, yeah. I talked to you. we've uh, we've had to restock our shelves uh, multiple times this year on uh, rabbit scram, deer scram, um, and uh, and liquid fence. So liquid fence being the the spray. So the scram is a granular that you would spread around. It's like dried blood, bone meal. Um, garlic and, and pepper and then the uh, liquid fences like garlic and rotten eggs it smells terrible um but yeah we've we've had to restock both of them multiple times it's, it's just it's crazy but um our our insecticide shelves are pretty full all right uh last week we got on to uh the steve the plant movement there's now a movement mm-hmm. for steve the plant by the way, I did water him for the first time, and it was really only a half a cup, and he seems to be yeah. doing very fine. He does get a lot of sun, but he's pushing up two little inside leaves now. So, uh, oh, he, yay. All yeah, right. Yeah, so he's very, very happy. I know uh, if, if you went onto the Greg and Dan Show Facebook page, you saw the bad news about his cousin Ricky, but he also has a distant cousin, Ricky Dose. How is he doing? Yes. Ricky Dose is doing just fine, and I'm going to be updating you guys. So I have a whole care routine scheduled um, for Ricky, and I'm going to be uh, documenting this on Sunday and Monday. Those are my two days off um, here coming up. Uh, So, yeah, tomorrow, Monday, my two days off. And during those two days, uh, Ricky Dose is going to get the full treatment. He's going to get a haircut. Wow. He's going to get bathed. He's going to be introduced to to some new friends that, you know, have their heads on straight. um, So you can kind of realize, you know, okay, this is the crowd that I should be hanging with to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you guys are going to see a a completely uh, new and improved Ricky Dose uh, within the next week. And so I'll be uh, taking pictures along the way uh, of this process so that you guys can keep them updated on the uh, Greg and Dan Facebook page. Yeah, Ricky Dose wasn't looking good. Did you have to do any mouth-to-leaf uh, treatment? Uh, n- no, I d- he was able to come out of it with a little bit of CPR. Okay. Um, so that's all I had to do. But, yeah, no mouth-to-leaf, but I did just kind of have to press on his roots a little bit mm-hmm. um, to stimulate some circulation, and, yeah. and, and he's doing much better now. All right, let's. So, we're uh, if you want to join the Steve the Plant movement, there's a lot of people who work uh, in the in their <laughs> office, and they like office plants. I think office plants uh, kind of just perk things up. It's kind of like having another little friend there. And so, uh, the yeah. Great, and the great thing about office plants is they're very low maintenance. Unlike your office workers that you work with, who are high maintenance. <laughs> 
Steve the Plant and others in the Steve the Plant movement are very low maintenance. So it kind of balances things out. So Yeah, Steve the Plant, he's never barking at oh, you. No. He's never creating time constraints or telling you, you know, you know, I need this by now and, and are you going to get me this paperwork oh, and are you going to call this person back? Yeah. Steve's just happy to be next to you guys. It must be really nice. And what's great about Steve, he doesn't gossip. So that's a good thing. That is a huge, (laughs) that is, oh my gosh, that is a huge perk. All right, so Steve the plant is a snake plant or um, a Sansevieria, which he's known as, um, and uh, or mother uh, mother in law's tongue, uh, very hard to kill. And I do like them because they do have a little bit of variegation to them. Are there other plants like Steve that are variegated in different ways? Oh yeah, and that's what's so fun about um, Steve and and his immediate cousins is there's a lot that are in the Sansevieria genus. Um, that there's so many different ones and I have multiple there's uh, ones with the, you know, Steve has the, is a short dwarf variety with the yellow margins mm-hmm. um, around green, but you can get those margins reversed. Um, there's uh there's a really nice one that I like. that's like white and green striped leaves. You can get ones that have a, a rounded uh, cylindrical leaf instead of the flat leaf uh, varieties that stay super small varieties that get three, four feet tall. Um, so as far as sensitive areas go, um, they're kind of a collector's item. You know, once you, once you uh, start collecting them, you start looking around and it's like, Oh, that's a different one. I don't yeah. have, or maybe right. I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go quickly to the ones we went through last week. African violet. I don't like those cause I can never get them to bloom and they die. And it's probably cause do I overwater it? Uh, that could be a chance, or it's not getting enough light, and they also like a lot of humidity. So they like humidity, but they don't like to be overwatered. So there's this little middle ground that you're trying to hit. And I know a lot of people are really successful with them. That's just one of those plants I've never been terribly successful with myself. I also struggle with getting them to rebloom, and I've never been able to figure out what my problem is. Uh, uh, is this one of those plants that if they need humidity, you put some rock down in the bottom of a shallow mm-hmm. plate and just keep water there constantly? to let it feed up into the plant? Yeah, yeah, and just kind of so a little drain tray filled up with some pea gravel or some rock Mm -hmm. um, and then put the container on top of that tray with the rock in it and you put the water in there and then over time it just naturally, uh, you know, just uh, uh, keeps the plant um, humidified because of the evaporation that happens, yeah. English ivy, very easy. Uh, you can get trailers of English ivy. I, I don't know if they allow you in your office, but to have hanging plants would be great. So English ivy is one of those that's very easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're just having a little container, but you got a couple different shelves yeah. uh, or something in your office area, then you can just put it at the top corner of your shelf. That way that plant can trail down. And you uh, can always with, uh, uh, or... and can always keep it kind of, uh, uh, you know, trimmed. Uh, the ZZ plant is a succulent uh, that, that mm-hmm. I like the look of it just because of the leaves. It's, yeah, it's extremely similar care to Sansevieria, um, and they have a couple different varieties. They've been coming out with some new ones. So there's one called Black Raven, which has a purple leaf instead of a green leaf. Uh, and then there's a dwarf variety called Zenzi, so Zenzi ZZ, uh, and it doesn't get pretty much mature size of that plant is 
uh, less than 12 inches tall and wide. So if you're looking for something that stays really small, that would be a great ZZ plant to look for as a dwarf ZZ um, or a dwarf Sansevieria, just like uh, what you guys have, Steve, is a dwarf Sansevieria. If you are in an office and you want to join the Steve the Plant movement, we're going over to some of the plants we went with last year. All of these are very easy. The aloe plant, of course, if there's a fight that breaks out in the office, you got something to cover up the wound. It's called aloe. <laughs> Um, and specifically, so uh, there's there's lots of different aloe too. They've really, uh, really kind of brought a lot of different aloes into the house plant world. Uh, so you could probably find at any given moment at a, at a well stocked nursery. Um, hint, hint, hair nurseries uh, sometimes has some nice house plants for you guys. Yeah. Um, there's there's usually five to ten different species of aloe that you might be able to find here. Uh, uh, we also have the aloe vera, which is the one that people commonly associate to with the burn relief or uh, rash relief. Um, so, but there's other more ornamental varieties with pink spots, uh, white spots uh, that tend to flower more often. So aloe is a really great low-maintenance, low-light, low-water plant. Now, here's one. If you kill it, then just give up on plants altogether and just get rocks. It's a philodendron, and, and that is, I don't know. Uh, I did. I got one behind my couch in the TV room. It gets a lot of light, but northern light. No, you know, no sunlight, mm-hmm. but it gets light all day on the northern side. Uh, and I have neglected watering it for two months, and they start to turn a little oh, yellow. Yeah. You water it back up. It's fine. This is an easy one. But what's fun about it? Mine's a trailer. It, it's coming all around. In fact, it grabbed the TV channel, the the changer, the other night. Uh, so Ooh, nice. Yes. So, it, but it just these things can spread out. So yeah, there's philodendron that's more of a like a like a bushy upright plant, and then there's like you said the philodendron that's the trailing variety, and sometimes those are commonly referred to as pothos vines. Um, but there's several different species of plants that can all be um, considered or called pothos. So there's the philodendron pothos, there's epipremnum pothos, and then there's skindampsis pothos. And they all look very, very similar, and it's sometimes very hard to tell the difference between them. But, yeah, there's several different genus of plants that are all referred to as pothos. Um, but one of the ones that I like is the philodendron trailing variety. I have one of those myself. Um, I just love it. Same thing. I have it in a – I put a little S-hook in the ceiling, and it's in a hanging basket uh, in our upstairs area that only gets, oh, maybe – two or three hours of direct morning sunlight and and it's still like five or six feet away from that window so i shouldn't even say direct so it gets a little bit of morning sunlight and that's it and every once in a while maybe once or twice a month i just rotate it so that a whole side of it is getting equal amount of light or it kind of starts to stretch and grow towards the sunlight and uh, other than that super low maintenance and i think maybe i water it once a month uh, I usually wait until the leaves are starting to kind of yeah, me too. Uh, hang down and <laughs> sag down. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you need water. So it's extremely forgiving. All right. Now let's get into some more unusual. If you want to join the Steve the Plant office movement, Tilladansia is the craziest looking stuff. Uh, it looks kind of like uh, in the onion family or some sort of root family if you're going to have vegetables. But they don't require dirt. You just put them on a decorative plate, and uh, and I guess there's a lot of varieties of teledancia. This is one of those things you have if you have a desk, you put it on the corner of your desk, and it is a topic piece. Yeah, you could just literally just 
toss it on your desk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people get these really cool stands for yeah, them, like right. little stands that you might put like a geode or, uh, you know, a, a, a commemorative baseball or something on, and they'll get stands similar to that, and they'll just put their air plant on that. But, yeah, yeah the worst thing you can do with an air plant is uh, put it in soil. They, they truly get the nutrients they need right out of the air. Wow. There's uh, naturally occurring nitrogen um, that flows. I mean, most of our environment is nitrogen. Um, and so it's, it's pulling some of those micronutrients out of the air. And uh, uh, you just need to soak it uh, once a week or so for five minutes. Yeah, just that's it. Fill up a little bowl of water and put it in there and, and uh, then take it out and you're good to go. Next one is it, and they're cheap. They're super cheap. Like are they? we sell ours, like or your average size that you get four, five dollars. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You can get some super rare, bigger varieties, you know, for fifteen to twenty dollars. But your average air plant that we sell, that's about you know the size of a, a, a nectarine or a peach or something like that, four bucks. So it's a really inexpensive way to get into house plants or office plants in particular. If you're worried about, well, I don't want to, you know, get a pot and a plant and, you know, spend $30 on getting something that I might kill. Well, you know, wean yourself into it. Buy yourself a 4 or $5 air plant, stick it somewhere, see how you like it. Um, and, uh, and that could be a great way to get into introducing uh, office plants um, to your environment, to your, uh, you know, your work environment. Now, another one I like that's more unusual in joining the Steve the Plant office movement is Oxalis. Yeah, yeah. So um, um, Oxalis, Oxalis, uh, sometimes referred to as shamrock plant. Mm -hmm. And it's so this would be one that is this would be more suitable for someone who has uh, an office window. Mm -hmm. Um, So unfortunately, unless you have like a little grow light or an light at your at your at your cubicle, if you don't have a a window, uh, you would have a hard time keeping this plant thriving. So it likes a little bit. It doesn't want full sun. Full sun's going to burn it up, but it does like, you know, a strong north window where it's pretty much all day indirect or a good eastern window, uh, something like that would, would make this plant thrive. And the one that tends to be most popular is the burgundy one, which you'll see on yes. the spruce, um, that website that you referenced. Um, so that's a burgundy leaf one that has a yellow flower. Uh, which is really pretty, and this plant is also extremely forgiving. Um, there's a, a lady who I've um, I've known for years. We worked at a restaurant together years ago, and and uh, she still comes in. Her name's Susie, and she has uh, an oxalis, and she's brought it in a couple different times. And I've kind of brought it back from the brink of death. You know, one time it got overwatered, um, another time can't remember what happened the second time, but anyway, it was struggling. And so she brought it in, and uh, essentially what I did is just this is surgery and removed uh, about half of the existing plant and then repotted it, and it came right back. So another very forgiving plant, if it starts to decline, uh, sometimes just repotting it in fresh soil and starting over, and it comes right back. And if you're looking for something a little different as well, a Rex begonia, a lot of variegation and a lot of color. Yeah, begonias have started making, um, and then I shouldn't say started, uh, it's definitely not a new plant, but I should say they have 
been making a comeback as far as uh, being introduced into homes and offices again. Uh, many people are familiar with begonias as being an annual that you will plant, um, you know, in a shaded area or part sun area outside. There's dragon wing begonias and, um, oh gosh, a- angel wing begonias and wax begonias, tuberous begonias, all kinds of things that most people think of decorating their, their containers outside with. But then there's a slew of them, specifically many varieties in the Rex begonia family, uh, that make pretty decent house or office plants, um, given that they can get a little bit of sunlight. Uh, They don't want full sun. They don't want to be watered regularly. They kind of need to dry out in between waterings. If you keep the the, the soil moist all the time, they're going to start to rot. But yeah, there are so many really cool. If you just have a, a chance to Google Rex begonia leaf varieties or Rex begonia leaves, you will see so many super cool uh, leaves with pinks and reds and greens and yellows and interesting spiral patterns on the leaves. Uh, so really, really cool. You can find possibly a Rex begonia to kind of fit whatever color scheme you have going on. Now, they're a little bit more uncommon because they've gotten this resurgence in popularity, uh, but it's definitely a fun plant to, 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 to try out. Here's one if you want something that's compact, it won't grow big uh, width-wise, a little bit vertical, but it's kind of a, a, a very neat upright plant, and that's the lucky bamboo. Especially if you have a little Asian theme or something along those lines, I really like that. Yeah, plant. a little desk, yeah, a little desk uh, uh, Zen garden or something. Right. You have your lucky bamboo next to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little Buddha statue. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the lucky bamboo. So actually, fun fact here. So that particular plant can grow just in water. Um, and oh. uh, we don't have any at the moment, um, you know, where we would keep them. You know, we, our garden house is kind of mostly outside, and that's where we keep a lot of our house plants. Now, it's covered, um, but it's not insulated like inside. So we've, we've had Lucky Bamboo in the past, um, and it, it just kind of cooks outside. It's too hot for it where we keep our house plants, uh, especially in the summer months. But Lucky Bamboo is one of those plants that you can usually find um, at a box store. Heck, you'll sometimes see it, like, checking out at a Walgreens or a CFS or something like that. Um, and they just have it in a, in a container of water, and you just take that and just put it back in water uh, at, your, at your desk. It's super forgiving, doesn't need a lot of light. So the fun thing here is it's related to Sansevieria. So the mother-in-law's tongue, so that particular plant, Lucky Bamboo, is actually a cousin of the Sansevieria, which is kind of an interesting thing because uh, here you have a Sansevieria that does not want a lot of water. Uh, it prefers drought, and then its cousin, this Lucky Bamboo, a variety of Dracenia, uh, thrives living only in water. So just kind of a fun little fact there for all the listeners. You're listening to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery, heard every Saturday at 7 o'clock on WMBD. We are in the midst of Join Steve the Plant office movement. Uh, It's a movement to get a little bit of color in everyone's office plant. Of course, we have Steve the Plant right in our studio window. And so you could add a little bit more color, a little bit of maybe more Japanese-style gardening. You can uh, just add a little bit of vibrancy. You can add a little bit of, like the Taladanzia we talked about, a little bit of uh, um, something that the uh, conversation starter. Uh, there's one I'm looking at. It's called, um, uh, is it Hiawatha or something like that? Hiawartha. Uh, These... um, 
Haworthia. Haworthia. Now, these are, again, succulents. And succulents, what's great Mm -hmm. about it is they come in so many different textures. In this one, you have some of these dwarf uh, variety succulents, uh, kind of like three in a pot with different textures. Uh, This, it really is a unique pot. Yeah, so that's actually a picture of Lindsay's, um, my... uh, uh, my wife to be, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was uh, I was taking pictures around and sending those to you because I was thinking it's like gosh I could I could find these pictures I couldn't find a link that was going to have all these different plants on it so I was like you know what I have these plants I'm yeah. just going to send Dan a picture of all my plants <laughs> and uh, so yeah that's Lindsay's pots um, and both her and I are huge fans of Haworthia and the next plant Gasteria. Um, because they stay small, they, they don't grow vigorously, so, uh, you know, you pretty much, it's never going to get bigger than three or four inches uh, tall and wide, so it's great for small spaces, extremely drought tolerant. Uh, I think maybe we water ours once every other month, maximum once a month, and, um, and, and then hardly any light. So that window that I took a picture of it at uh, is a western window, but our neighbor's house is really, really close. So we don't get any, I'm sorry, it was an eastern window, but because of our neighbor's house being so close, it only gets about two hours of direct eastern sunlight, and that's it. So it, it thrives extremely well. All varieties of Haworthia thrive extremely well in low light conditions. So they make an excellent water plant. Oh, I'm sorry, a water plant. They make an excellent office plant. Yeah, and the gasteria as well. And, I mean, a lot of these will translate into your home. And, and the picture I'm looking at has a very Western look to it. Yes, yeah, gasteria. Um, so it's very, very similar. In fact, they've hybridized uh, varieties of succulents where they've literally cross-bred uh, Haworthia and Gasteria together to make new and interesting uh, varieties. Um, so uh, so they, they blend really well together. Gasteria, uh, very similar size as well, usually doesn't get a whole lot bigger than three or four inches tall and wide, and has a flatter leaf, and you can find all kinds of really cool um, flat-leafed ones. You can find ones that have rounder leaves. So that picture of one uh, it was probably one of the bigger varieties you can find, which is why she couldn't pass it up. She saw them. She was like, that's huge. I have to buy it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also sometimes called a cow tongue cactus because of the way that the leaf uh, looks and, and kind of does kind of look like a cow tongue. Um, so just kind of an interesting name for the plant. So yeah, Gasteria, or if you can't remember that, uh, look up cow tongue cactus, and that'll probably uh, get you right on, on path or give you some interesting uh, instructions on how to make cow tongue tacos. You'll, you you have to find that out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, about five minutes left. We're going into office plants to join the Steve the Plant office movement. Uh, next one up is a Hoya. Now, uh, this reminds me, as far as the way it trails, uh, something like a, a philodendron would. Yeah, yeah, very, very similar. It grows much slower, though. They are notoriously slow growers. It's sometimes called a wax plant. So if you aren't familiar with it being called a Hoya, uh, you might be familiar with it being called a wax plant. Also, many different varieties. Hoyas has actually been one of the plants this year that there's been a nationwide shortage of, which was kind of surprising. And I'm only recently been able to get my hands on some, uh, and the price has skyrocketed on them. Whereas what I might have been able to buy last year, um, you know, at, at you know, uh, and sell for 
$15 this year, uh, that's my cost, you know, essentially. So I, I got to up the price. Um, so Hoyas have, have, it's just a weird shortage and a demand for them has made them very hard to get. But if you can get your hands on one, they're great low maintenance plants. They don't need a lot of water. Full sun's going to harm them. Um, so yeah, also make an excellent uh, office plant, low maintenance and low lights, um, but would thrive in just a little bit. If you have a little window, a little bit of light would make them very happy. Growing up in the Southwest, you like succulents and cactus. And uh, you're showing me a picture of a holiday cactus. And I remember I had a Christmas cactus. I can never get that mm-hmm. to rebloom. Ah, okay. So that'll be something I talk about a little bit. Um, I could bring that up next show or I can talk yeah. about it later into the season when you're buying. Because that particular one that I sent you a picture of is a Christmas cactus. Oh. But there's Easter cactus and there there are um, uh, Thanksgiving cactus as well. Uh, and there's little tiny differences amongst all of them, but they're all very, very similar. And, yes, there is a trick to getting your Christmas cactus to rebloom, and, and we can touch on that on, a, on another show. But you can see on that picture, mine still has, has buds on it yeah. on a couple of leaves that will be well, opening up later in the season. Let's to talk next week because one of my friends has an indoor cactus garden. Let's talk uh, about the part of the show, uh, how to do a cactus indoor garden next week, indoor and outdoor, if you've got like an outdoor screen yeah. and pool porch a lot of people may like cactuses and specifically cactuses we'll talk about that uh next week uh so let's focus on now um about uh you've got trees starting to come in as we've talked about the best time to plant trees is in the fall uh, a lot like you can plant them in the spring you don't really want to risk it in the midsummer so now we're starting to get to uh, a month away september and october good times to plant trees are you getting more in oh yeah we have a whole slew of them that are that are getting adapted so we've increased our plots uh, our sales are not sales yard area but our our kind of our production area of where we uh, get trees ready to go. We get them bare root. We get them planted up. Uh, we get them established and on a trickle yard, and they, they kind of hang out for a couple of months before they're ready to sell. Um, and we're getting more into large container trees versus bald and burlap trees because container versions are just easier to handle. And uh, so we, we really kind of invested on, on bigger, larger container trees. So you can come out here, get a $300 container tree, and it's 15 feet tall. It's a big tree without having to get a tree spade, without having to take home this 800 to 1,000 pound tree because of the size of the root ball. Um, so there's just new new ventures being made into providing larger trees that, that's um, easier to manage uh, or it, that are just more manageable. And uh, we have some, I was talking to the grower, Ernie, and uh, he's, he's anticipating that many of our new trees, red point maples, um, uh, which is a great variety, and some oaks and all kinds of wonderful trees will be available middle of September, which is an excellent time to plant. Um, you can still plant if you're in the market for a tree now, no problem. You just got to be really, really diligent about your watering. And that's where people struggle right. in summer is you, you, you transplant something and then you don't water it enough. But fall... It's cooler. You don't have to water as often. makes it easier for people to care for their trees. All right, so next week we'll talk about cactus plants and we'll talk about trees. Uh, I like dwarf trees. I like trees that only get 8 feet tall, 6 feet tall, 10 feet tall. Uh, The Japanese maple. I'll uh, I'll make a list of those. And then we'll talk about all the trees that are coming in. And real quick, less than a minute, I heard through the grapevine, you might have mentioned it to me, 
this could be a tough year to find fresh Christmas trees. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. So uh, between the fires in the west, uh, cold snap in the north, and disease from a few years ago in the east, yes, uh, it is. We're having very difficult time. For frame reference, the whole company High V. Mm-hmm. has only been able to find 800 trees wow. for all of their stores this year. Well, So uh, it's going to be a Christmas tree drought this yeah. year. So what we're going to have to do is find packages of little lights and decorate Steve the tree. So that'll be our tree for uh, yep. Christmas. Little, little tiny get lights. lights for your house plants, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you next week. Cactus plants, trees, and more. For Ethan Wise, I'm Dan DiOrio. Thanks for listening to... A green thumb from Hair Nursery. We'll see you next week at 7 o'clock.